0: Coming up on episode 63 of the Up Full Life podcast.
1: It's been seven years since I, you know, smoked weed. And, and like, maybe it's been nine years since I shot dope. And, and maybe it's been 11 years since I was addicted to heroin. You know what I mean? And sometimes I feel like, like I'm, I haven't bought drugs in a long time. I haven't like hidden drugs or had drugs or. And so like sometimes I read the I I read the email like like I'm my dad or something. Because right. it's a little bit like that. Because it's like also when people talk about like the human body regenerates all its cells in seven years or something. It's like I'm a totally different person. Right. You know. But I still like. And sometimes I feel like they think I'm a fraud because I have clean time, which right. is funny. But, uh, but I, I still am entertained by that shit because I know the places that we go.
0: Yes, indeedy, welcome to the Upful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz, and this is episode number 63, coming at you live and direct from the Vibe Junkie studio in Oakland, California. And bringing this year into the station, 2022, you know how we do. So grateful you are tuning in. yes indeedy we're back episode 63 up full life podcast Woo! so grateful made it to the end of the year and squeezing one more in just before the clock ticks on 2022 shout out to everybody who reached out on the last pod with uh, dan charnas author of dilla time man that was a joy to to do and to put out and the reception, much like Leah's song before him, really empowering, encouraging, affirming, and I give thanks and a deep bow to everybody who enjoyed that pod and let me know and shared. And I encourage everyone to get Time, the book if you were intrigued by that dialogue. It's just like so much deeper than just hip-hop or even music. It's like a cultural anthropology, which is a turn of phrase I've employed quite a bit recently. Um... And with that, I do want to let everybody know I really appreciate the reviews, the ratings on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Please, if you have the time and are so inclined, please rate and or review the Up For Life podcast. It goes a long way to shifting and sending those algorithms in this direction, bringing us new listeners, new ears, new souls. And that is a good thing, my friends. So give thanks to everyone who has done so in the past and continues to. I see you. We appreciate that. And speaking of being appreciated, the way that people have turned out and supported my sixth annual Upful Life favorite records and more, the 2022 edition, which dropped just a few days ago on upfullife.com. It's the big article right on the top of the page slide through check it out is a deep dive the deepest of dives 22 plus album reviews 22 more record recommendations honorable mentions if you will 22 singles songs mini eps 22 plus dj sets and mixtapes and a handful of live releases, both official and bootleg. It is my labor of love to the people, to the culture, to the artists, to the creators, to the entire cauldron of music communities that are really like the battery in my back to do what it is I do. Again, that's on upfullife.com. Sixth annual Favorite Records and more, the 2022 edition and... You can support that and everything else I do by clicking the support button right there at the top, upfullife.com. In addition to supporting, rating, and reviewing, you can also hit me up directly. Send me an email, b.gets at upfullife.com. I love to hear from the people, feedback, suggestions, reflections, constructive criticisms, the whole niner. So... If you're feeling like you want to shoot me a line, please do not refrain. Um, I really appreciate it. And again, the email address, b.getz at upfullife.com. And I just want to take a moment, you know, I've been doing some reflecting myself both for the year-end uh, compendium that I referenced, and of course, I, I made a uh, point to stop by the homies podcast almost familiar pod which uh i was on once before i highly recommend you check that pod out very cool interview based podcast in the music community shout out Wes. shout out elizabeth i went on with them for like two hours told my whole life story that was a couple years ago but uh i slid through with a little five minute roundup of my favorite of this year festivals music events things I'm looking forward to, etc. So check that out Almost Familiar Pod and also I want to shout out the Weird Music Pod and my man Cam out there in Ohio. They had me on earlier this year. Just to kind of give a 411 on what it is I do, and and my space in the music community, and it kind of called me the 60 minutes of podcasting, which I thought was, or or music media, which I thought was quite the uh, affirmation and compliments. A so shout out, Cam. Check out not just my episode, but Cam's had a incredible list of guests that many of whom have been on my show, many of whom I'd love to have on my show. You know, people have really been showing me a lot of love. Support and what I do, and I just want to pay it forward and and let people know about the next generation of cats, because both Almost Familiar Pod and Weird Music Podcast, those cats are like at least 15 years younger than me, if not more. So it feels good to be connected with the youth you know teach the children well as they say and and frankly in a lot of these situations i'm learning as much as i'm teaching and that's what it's all about a symbiotic free exchange of ideas and lived experiences and hopes and dreams and all that good stuff i want to shout out live for live music i mean without them they're the 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 rudder the anchor the engine between a whole lot of what i do here um exposure-wise, the ability to go to events and, you know, chronicle the culture behind their brand with my pen. I mean, the podcast wouldn't even be possible in such a way without the support and affirmation and empowerment of Live for Live Music. So shout out Kunj, Sarah, Andrew O'Brien, James Sisler, all the peeps, uh, Michael Broerman, all the peeps out there that, that make that happen and Uh, I'm going to do some more cross-pollinating with live for live music in the podcast because that needs to happen. And what I was getting at before is you can support what I do, even though live for live music does take care of me. I do a lot of stuff pro bono or just for whatever comes back to me on the support tip. So this is me with my hat out a little bit. And I know a lot of listeners right now are from the Dopey Nation. They don't listen every month, so you can do with it what you will. But to my day ones and my people out there, I just ask you to please, you know, rate, review, support, share. And if you can, kick me down a few dollars for making you holler, because I really should get paid for doing this wild thing. And with that, let's get into episode 63 of the Yelpful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Gets. Yes, indeedy. Let I, I yeah.
2: moment, yeah, keep it on the side, I need to open, yeah, see her on the side when I'm open, on that she be telling lies on the phone, shit, I've been stepping need to focus, yeah, please don't tell me where that dope is, I guess, yeah. I might drop the old road, shit, I got dark gas, lenses, toxic gas, friendships, pop my first perk. High school freshman Skip a mid for a mixed-down session Mix the up and downs, always going both directions Know that I'm insane, but this pain got me stressing I'm getting brain while I whip the intersection In a circle tight, gang I'm quite impressed with I played the game, I got a check up on my left wrist Checkmate, your queen asked me for the guest list Not a king, cause the crown'll leave you headless Long night I'll be standing with a bread this long night, never gonna get some rest inside the taste Driving past my own yeah. They leave um on my own shit They leave um some grown They leave on my own shit
0: Yes indeedy It is my honor and privilege and pleasure, of course, to bring back to the Upful Life Podcast my man Dave from Dopey Podcast, now going by his government, David Mannheim. One of my big inspirations as a podcaster and also a dear friend of four-ish years. Now this pod interview took place... In Park City, Utah back in September, the Park City Song Summit, so it is a couple months old, but it's evergreen and really as pertinent as possible right in the here and now. Um, I was just thinking about Charles I, who you just heard and will continue to hear during this episode, passed away 55 weeks ago just uh, acknowledge the 1 year anniversary and of course I played some Mac Miller earlier and it's just the uh, creeping death of the fentanyl generation it's not lost on me and naturally Dave from Dopey podcast is uh, the master of ceremonies and fearless leader of the Dopey nation now for those of you who don't, don't know Dave uh, is co-host of the Dopey Podcast for many years until his partner and co-founder Chris died suddenly uh, four-ish years ago. It was in the summertime, and uh, he came on this show shortly thereafter. Um, you know, several months, but it was in the in the wake of that. Dave had been on. This American Life, Wartime Radio, episode 667. Highly recommend you check that out. It tells the the tragic and resurgent tale of the Dopey podcast. And, and Dave came on Up Full Life, episode 33, which holds the title as the most downloaded episode. I mentioned on Dopey uh, when we recorded in Park City that he had fallen to second place to... Um, Jake Rokitansky from QAnon Anonymous and like, like the Dopey Nation, you know, is an army, better yet a navy. They swarmed, um, like an armada (laughs) and retook Top Honors uh, as the most downloaded episode. And I hope they turn out again for this one like that. But now, uh, I've been listening to Dopey since like the episode 60s or whatever and it's been every Friday night I, I, I don't even know what they're they're in the 400s now Dave is and the podcast has transitioned a bunch and he has 8 million plus downloads there's a dopey con kind of super bowl of dopey that goes on on an annual basis in New York City where Dave is located and he's a quintessential New Yorker in every way from Katz's Deli, to the Knicks' Stannery, to his taste in hip-hop, to his lived experiences. Although he did spend some time in Los Angeles. And, and frankly, his life story and his journey uh, is really what we cover in the initial episode of Up Full Life, episode 33. So, we kind of pick up from where we left off in a lot of ways. Plus, Dave's been a dear friend to me for the past few years, and shepherded me through stuff, and has been an ally in helping my friends and family, and uh, I like to think I'm a friend to him, so this is a very personal episode, and, and many of you who listen to the show already know or remember me in real life when I had a serious OxyContin addiction, no two ways about it. And I've been open and honest about it on this podcast and with the people in my life and with myself. And I cannot overstate the role that Dopey and Dave has played in the shit we're at like uh, six and a half years of abstinence from opiates of all kinds, save for Kratom, which is not technically an opiate, but is part of my solution. But Dave feels differently. He abstains from all substances. I do still enjoy cannabis regularly. Kratom. You know, psychedelics every now and again. So we have different approaches to skinning the cat. Dave had, like, almost two decades of heroin addiction. IV heroin addiction. And and lots of other hard drugs. That's not my lived experience. I was a pharmaceutical opiate addict. Which was just legal heroin and now that we're in the fentanyl era with the fake roxys and fake oxys and fake xanax you know strong as doses of fentanyl masquerading as other substances there's a lack of consent all this to say that you know i have the affliction and the disease of addiction and my drug of choice in that regard was oxycontin and really pharmaceutical opiates of any kind but once I got with the oxys uh, it was game over and uh, you know I nearly died a couple times and took going to jail and and a whole lot else uh, to get me to the other side of that darkness and again Dave is a huge part of that even though we only met for the first time the weekend you hear this conversation going down you know I leaned on a lot of what I've been able to get from listening to dopey from participating in you know the zooms and the conversations and i used to be in the facebook group a bunch and and just from back and forth with dave and just like the way that dopey has exposed me to recovery and the alt recovery movement and like seeing seeing myself as in recovery even if i'm not in total abstinence and i gotta shout out my man axel For bringing that to light he was actually the first person to explain that to me like directly and it was like a bomb went off explosion of understanding in my mind and that has really served me well in service and counsel to others and I'm not advocating for my way I'm just saying that's how I roll and it's working for now I also do still have troubling regular relationships with substances though they are not illicit or you know going to kill me at the same time, it's not the same as Dave's reality, who's been abstinent from all substances for like seven years or something. But then again, his level of addiction was far more extreme than my own, and his best friends and and podcast partners are dead. And some of my friends are not here. So, And some of my friends are still alive and made it through the other side, abstinent or otherwise. And the point of this whole diatribe And the reason that Dave's coming on the show, the reason we have a relationship and the reason that I am called to make an episode like this one and to participate in this dialogue in a macro sense is because there are many ways to skin this cat and it's about living and then it's about quality of life and it's about tomorrow not being promised. And every day we're getting news of another passing. And like I said, you know, whether it's my heroes going back as far as Shannon Hoon or Jerry Garcia, you know, all the way up through the recent tragic, excruciating deaths of Mac Miller or Charles I, or even Prince. And that's what keeps me alive, and I've said it time and time again, is the fear of death because of the fentanyl era. The fear of death keeps me alive, keeps me out of the tenderloin, keeps me doing what i'm doing right now and not doing what i was doing for so long and on that note before we get to dave and if you're still with me i appreciate it um i want to thank everybody who stuck with me through all that darkness i just got married the podcast is popping my written work is is at its zenith I have amazing clients, my heroes, the bands I love and adore, like pay me to explain their art in the written word. And it wasn't that long ago that I was strung out or in jail, lying, just a complete shell of a human. And like a lot of y'all did not give up. And I'll never forget that and that's why I'm doing this this episode with Dave and just participating in this conversation this dialogue, this world of, of a drugs, addiction, recovery and dumb shit I just want to introduce my man David Manheim Dopey Dave, Dave from Dopey Podcast Dave of Dave and Chris we miss you Chris Long lines of
2: those white women. I'm with the homes, meltdown crows. Just went through a half thousand coke. Blood pouring all out my nose. Don't tell my mom I got a drug problem. I'm on fucking high. The other the when the sun goes down, I come alive. Cause the guns go off in the summertime. Guns go off in the summertime. Blah. Just another motherfucking rap song. Broken crazy, rich and famous. Doesn't last long. And all my cash on the broken dream. Weed and liquor to the coke and lean. All, all
0: all right all right well the people asked for it they clamored for it and finally happened we're here in park city utah this park city song summit and uh we've got some trucks in the background but uh I'm here with the one and only Dave from Dopey Podcast, known as uh, Dopey Dave Uh, while we're here, which I know you hate. I hate that. I know. How did you let that
1: happen? I I told him no. no. I said no, Dopey Dave. And they keep, dude, fucking at that first one, what's his face, Ben introduced Dopey as the Dopey Dave Podcast.
0: Oh my goodness. That was rough. Yeah.
1: But tell me, B, when there is a genie, let's go inside. It's going to make you crazy. It's gonna fucking make you crazy. It's not gonna stop.
0: Oh yeah, they're they're setting up a loading. All right, so loading dock and and truck and all kinds of noisy activity outside. Uh, Dave here made the executive decision to relocate into my palatial estate.
1: It's it's bananas. If you want to compare and contrast, they put me in like some dingy fucking room in the basement next door next to like the water heater. Like, and and like, I hear trucks all night and shit. B. is in the motherfucking serious suite. Not like some fake bullshit suite, but the full leather couch, the fucking matching chairs, the kitchen with island, full stove, upright fridge. And that's just the beginning. Beautiful bathroom, dining area with five, six tables for a banquet if he so desired. Fucking on the back. The real deal, full-sized hot tub with cover and picnic area.
0: Uh, You got it. Dave, you could be a real estate agent.
1: Dude, your shit is fucking bananas.
0: I I, I said it was the Rick Ross suite. Like, when you open the door, it says Maybach Music. You know what I mean? It just feels like a total... It's like MTV Cribs. You should do
1: a fucking Park City Cribs episode. You You should come to mine. There's an ironing board out in my shit. My shit is like the fucking ghetto compared yeah, to this book.
0: That's weird because, as I said on Dopey, by the way, Up Full Life listeners, I'm on uh, Dopey Dopey episode
1: 375.
0: 375, I come in after the great Jerry Stahl of permanent midnight fame. So for those of you uh, who don't remember, Dave here is the co-founder, co-host of Dopey Podcast and he's been on the Up for Life Podcast, one of the most downloaded episodes and uh, Dave and I have been friends through Uh, dopey podcast and just podcasting in general for like four plus years and when I say friends I don't just mean uh, like likes on Facebook we talk on the phone we text each other we talk about our own lives we help each other with our podcasts and Dave's been a real inspiration to me as a podcaster and as a guy moving through recovery and sharing the service and the gift with others and we happen to be at the same event in this Bumblefuck place neither of us have ever been to. And by the way, Park City, Utah. Bumblefuck in the best kind of ways. It's in the middle of nature.
1: It's breathtaking. We can go It's bumblefuck with lots of money, though. Yeah. It's it's, it's expensive bumblefuckery. Yeah.
0: It's just a place that I never came out to before.
1: Have you been here before? No. It's bananas. I've never
0: been to Utah at all.
1: I stepped in a corner of the four corners on one of my uh, cross-country trips. But you know what I was thinking was... When we started talking shortly after Chris died, when on dopey I started my beef with Vice, and B didn't like that I wanted to do this big beef with Vice, and I was really interested in why he didn't like my beef with Vice, and I loved the beef with Vice. But, that, but I remember that's where our, that's where we started talking.
0: And that's interesting that I would have never remembered that as the embryo. I do remember those conversations and and. Uh, just, I was
1: in beef with what was the song the show is called the Dopesick Nation yeah
0: right and, and my whole thing is just it felt like a WWF like scripted like corny Twitter kind of which beef. is why I liked it right well, It was good for business and it was good for exposure but as I come from like journalism and, and like integrity you know yeah <laughs> so I'm like this is corny but at the same time I understood it for exposure and the bottom line is uh, that show feels exploitive. And yours doesn't
1: right, well, the thing about the vice beef was Chris had died, right? Chris was dead, and my and dopey didn't have a lot of fun in it. it was hurt it hurt to make for a little while, and the vice beef was fun for me, yeah. so i I needed absurdist fun, and yeah. that's why I was so excited about it, and it didn't necessarily come out that way, but it was it was something that I like stupid shit like that, yeah.
0: No, I get it. And, and and when you frame it like that, I almost feel bad that I...
1: You, know, you took away my fun for yeah, a second. when
0: you were in the darkest place. So again, for those listening, we're not going to go through all the same stuff. I'm sure Dave might tell a story or two that he told on the first pod. I didn't go back and listen again, and I know he didn't. I'd recommend everybody do so, and especially if you can before this, because when he's talking about Chris, he's talking about the fella that he created and founded Dopey Podcast with, uh, the podcast is about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. But eventually, it became about what happens after that, which is recovery or death. And mm. with Dave, you have recovery, and with Chris, you had recovery, and now you have death. And and Dave has persevered uh, through not only Chris's passing, but passing of his best friend Todd, who some of my listeners might know from Fish Tour, great dude. Um, and Dave's kind of lived this nightmare every Friday. For however many years, almost you've been, seven years, right? Doing the pod for almost seven years, yeah. and With Chris, without Chris, uh, se- uh, separated from your family, reunited with your family, yeah. Having a new child, like you've lived your life in recovery and redemption in a very public way, and it's been like a just absolute privilege to be just to be a listener, to just have the ability to listen to you, what you share, um, but also to be your friend. And that's what makes this so special here in Park City, because after all this time and all these years, and I've tried to come up to New York, it hasn't worked out, blah, blah, blah. Here we are. Wives aren't here. We're both here in, like, a
1: work capacity. Professionally Uh, and yet enjoying ourselves anyway. Exactly. It's really
0: organic and perfect. And uh, for those of you, uh, Dave is actually, like, legitimate talent. His wristband says artist. So he might be making jokes about his accommodations, but his name appeared... On the program three times, um, and to be honest, like I took a measure of pride in like how you were received, presented, just your incorporation in an event like this. Now I know you've done like kind of like a, a con- sober-themed country music
1: thing in Virginia. What was it? West Virginia? It was. It was uh, blue. I think it was more like bluegrass. It was, okay. it was. It was the Healing Appalachia Festival. Okay. They actually invited me back this year, but it was not nearly as plush as this right. joint.
0: Right. But I'm just saying, so that was kind of your entry into the crossover between music festival slash mental health, wellness, recovery. But this is like really kind of Venn diagram. It checks a lot of boxes. You've been a busy guy networking. So I got a lot of questions. We're going to start with how do you feel uh, about Dopey's like legitimate, legitimized, in this context now it's it's about drugs addiction and dumb shit but now you're up there you know hosting panels rubbing shoulders with like trauma addiction mental health professionals and this was some ridiculous podcast that your partner like made you take off the internet in the beginning because of it. No, absurdity. I actually made I mean him take it off the internet. Okay. Or Linda made us both right. take well, it off the I mean internet. that's what I meant when I see yeah. your partner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's I, 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 yeah. She's not actually your wife. Yeah, right, right. I'm with you. Yes. She. She 100%. was so ridiculous and so preposterous and embarrassing that she made you take it off the internet. And now <laughs> yeah. you are really interacting, commiserating with the creme de la creme of professionals in this field. So talk about the legitimization
1: of well, doping. Number one, thank you. Like that makes me feel really good. Number two, it's like I'm such a fucking self-sabotager. It's like it's absurd. Like <laughs> shit is going so good. It's like if I was just a little bit different. I think I I didn't do that by the way. No, we're good. <laughs> um, there's scratches on the table that that B is examining, but I was not scratching. I wasn't looking the table.
0: at that. I was looking
1: at the levels. Oh, and uh, <laughs> it's like it feels so good. And yet, still, I I somehow deprive myself the joy through sheer uh, fear, self-centeredness, fucking worry, neuroses. However, I know that today went really well, and I know that like I connected with a bunch of people here on a on a level that was it was a little like schmoozy, networky, but there was a lot of like real friendships formed. And uh, it felt awesome. And and the panel I got to do today was with Anders Osborne, who I'm, f- I'm a fan of his, and this kid uh, Wyatt Pike, who who's an up and comer. who was American Idol finalist or something. And uh, it felt good. And I, I feel I feel great. It was it's so cool to be in it. Except that they call me Dopey Dave all the time. Besides that, it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's funny every time I hear it. I'm like, oh man, that's gotta ruffle your feathers cuz they call they've called you dopey dave a number of times and you're on the program as dopey dave
1: not on the program no on on in, in on like, the app on the it, app you're on the
0: app as dopey dave
1: motherfucker yeah yeah like yeah. why would they do that i told them <laughs> not to do that it's like i think that I don't know why they would do that. I and mean it's
0: four or less letters if they're if they're crunching numbers. If they don't want to pay for the from Dave from Dopey. Well, it's
1: funny though, because when I went on Maren's podcast, right, I had always kept my last name off the show. And uh, Chris wanted it to be anonymous and I was fine with that because like B said, it was an absurdist fucking podcast about shooting heroin, kicking, right. horrible shit that we had done. So we would bleep our last names. Uh, last year, I went on Mark Maron's WTF podcast, and I and I said, uh, "Are you going to use my last name?" And he's like, "Well, unless you're a total fucking idiot, yes." Right. And I was like, "Okay." And and so my last name—that
0: was a great Marin answer. I mean, that's, yeah. right, he's on the money. Yeah. Man, that's so
1: man- yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and so my last name is Mannheim. and now like my dad's last name is out there, and my right. kid's last name is out there. And I said to them, when when originally we did this thing. I, I, when they set up the Park City Song Summit, it was before the WTF thing, and I was still like kind of doing Dave from Dopey. Afterwards, I said you could just call me Dave Mannheim, or you can call me Dave Mannheim from Dopey. And I think Ben really liked the idea of Ben Anderson, who set up this festival summit. Really liked the idea of Dopey Dave. And you know, I never would have been Dopey Dave if Chris had lived. It never would have happened. It right. wouldn't have been Dopey Dave and Dopey Dave Chris, and Chris, right? And, like, how would you live with it if it was you? Um, Would you embrace it? At this point, yeah. You would embrace it. I mean, honestly... Well... Dopey Dave. I know, I mean, because... Could it be worse than that? (laughs) I think Anders Osborne was like, that might be the worst nickname I've ever heard. I think he said that.
0: It sucks because, like, the average person is not connecting... Dopey to dope to heroin, and then like making that connection, they're thinking Dopey the dwarf. This guy's just, yeah. A this guy's ass. a
1: fucking idiot. Right. Dope.
0: Right. So that sucks. But <laughs> the flip side of it is it's excellent branding. Because instead of David Mannheim from who? Who's fucking yeah, David yeah, Manheim? Right. Dopey Dave. Oh, that's that fucking drugs addiction. Right, right, shit, right, right,
1: right, right, right. So, so it kind that's of right. works. I you're, should... Do you think... I, so you're saying I should embrace well, it? Well, you don't have it. If you can't control it... I know? put it down every time someone says it. I was Here. like... I wrote
0: SportsCenter. You can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it. Right. That's how you got it. You can't... It's out. You're Dopey Dave. So you can only hope to contain it. So, so make it yours. You know what I mean? The, it, or put I, the kibosh on it. Send a press release. No, no, there. I think
1: I think what I do is just constantly do shtick. How much I hate to be called okay. Dopey Dave because that works. Yeah, it's kind of a curmudgeon-y kind of thing. Yeah. but the, the 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 bigger answer is it has been an incredible. This this experience has been a, a really special experience. I concur, and I, you know I mean, this is not about me, but I'll say that this has been very
0: validating for me.
1: Right, and you got to interview some of your favorite people.
0: Yes big interview while I was here rubbing shoulders with the Jay Blakesburgs Peter Shapiro's you know so it's a big deal for me too and also just to be seen and recognized for the work and actually I was gonna that's what I was gonna put to you is like um, you're being seen and recognized for the work that you do so it's transition from like for the yucks like Dopey in the beginning was literally for the lulls laughing at yourselves right right and and now it has become... I mean, we know what it's become. We're going to talk about it. We talked about it the last time. And, and that's what I was actually going to say in there today, if I didn't have to dip out to go to Blakesburg thing, when you asked for questions with Andrews Osborne and Wyatt Pike, was how much you've been able to affect so many lives in this. And I know you like you know you roll your eyes, and you're self-effacing, and you're uh, too humble, et cetera. So I'm just going to put it out there. Like I know for a fact, I've talked to people... I have friends through the pod, um, the I've, community. I've you're in the community, yeah. But I've counseled people, and I've been counseled by people in Dopey. You know, and, and for you to have you know, like I said, legitimized or elevated what you do as Dopey Podcast, I think that it really speaks to like a sort of like a, a niche that you're the only one in there because there's a gazillion recovery podcasts. And there's lots of fucking, like, dudes telling fucked up stories, podcasts, whatever, like, from the Jake Pauls of the world, you know, like, that stuff's out there. And you sort of, like, harnessed a little bit of each and injected Dave, the guy from Cats is the Knicks fan, the quintessential New Yorker with the dad, you know, like, your stick, all of it. But, and you never compromise. Like, I know you, you're always really self-aware of, like, what do people think? But you never changed who you are. And what you brought to the show, you've evolved, you've matured, you're not like maybe the same guy that you were when you started the pod, but you're still Dave. And and as far as the Mannheim thing goes, I could take this a bunch of ways, but, and this kind of comes back to me because I was like, I don't want to tell some really dark shit on your pod because I'm on my government name. And I had a dark, dark yeah. dozen years with opiates that I've talked about on my pod. I talked about it on the episode With you on my pod, but your pod is macro. You just celebrated 8 million downloads. So I don't necessarily need every last person to know the depths of my despair. So I get where you're coming from when becoming David Mannheim, whether it's through Marin or whatever. But whether it's the alt-recovery movement or removing shame or like making the dialogue of uh, substance abuse disorder destigmatized... what the fuck are we running from you're david Mannheim. i'm brian getz like we're this is our story we live through it our service is telling our stories
1: and doing the work and like
0: put our fucking names on it
1: yeah i mean for me it's like you tell me all that stuff and it makes my heart just like just boom you know what i mean my heart booms and it's like the fact that Dopey has helped a lot of people, I might roll my eyes, but it's only because I never want to be in a situation where I'm 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 put on a pedestal or anything like that, because what I've gotten back is is just so powerful. Like it's been so meaningful to me. And um it almost makes me want to cry. I mean, I didn't sleep enough, so I feel very emotional. You can cry but can like cry
0: like three times since I've been
1: here. When I think about What's been lost, you know? When 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 it's my friends, and it's like they were my really really close friends, and and all these other people that got help from it, it's like what what we the price we paid is so high, and um, I'm so happy that anybody can get anything from that, and then when people get something from that, I get so much from those people, and. You know, yeah, 8 million people listen to it, whatever. I don't think any of them are here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I, am so proud of the work, and I'm so proud of our community, and I'm so proud of, like, the people who like the show and the people who get something from it and understand the purpose of it. But, like, it does so much for me on, on so many levels. Like, uh, I work at Katz's Deli, right? I always wanted to be in a band, uh, that had merch and was cool and whatever. And I remember, like, my, my boss is this guy named Jake. He's, like, I think he's in his, his early 30s. He owns the most famous deli in the world. And I wear a Katz's shirt basically every day. And I see people wear the Katz's shirt. And sometimes I remember I'd be standing on the corner with Jake. And and somebody would be walking by wearing a Wilco shirt. And I'd be like, you see that? You see your band? You know what I mean? And, and so the fact that Dopey is my band, it's like, it's it just, it's very satisfying. You know, and it's funny, I don't want to wear a dopey shirt though.
0: Right. Well, the dude that wears his own band t-shirt, mm.
1: Right. It's kind of, right,
0: especially when you're like, there for dopey. Right, you know? right. You're like a camp counselor yeah. or something. I'm debating whether to make up for like merch. You, you should. If I do, well people have brought it up. But, and I would like to but I just got to figure out the numbers and see if it's worthwhile and all that stuff you but, just make hey, it for the
1: fun I don't know I'd love to I mean I,
0: it started as a clothing company up did it was not my idea I just kind of got involved at the at the genesis but that's another story for another
1: time I wanted
0: to to go back to what you were talking about with like the cost I don't want to make you cry um but
1: I, I like know. how you I like you zeroed in on the emotional aspect though
0: yeah I mean Alicia my partner says that the The real gold in the podcast is the vulnerability, you know, just like whoever I'm talking to when she says when the the guest is willing to be vulnerable, but I'm not trying to push your buttons uh, so much as I live that with you, you know, and I, in my own way, like thousands of others loved Chris Mm -hmm. and to a lesser extent, Todd, because he was only on here and there. And when he was, he was kind of like a mess. Yeah. And, and strangely, he's the guy I saw myself in on the show. Of course. You know, his trajectory is not unlike mine and that actually leads me into what I was going to say survivor's guilt so like I know that uh, several of my running buddies did make it or are still in the thick of it right and guys and gals and I'm talking about from the Vermont days from the Philly days from the Florida days and even one or two out in on the west coast and you know it took me going through you know jail and getting off oxys and all that stuff to come out the other side and and enjoy the blessings that I've been afforded or earned or been bequeathed to me, right? But there's some survivor's guilt, right? There's some why me? I mean, I did some fucked up shit over the years karmically, and you might think, well, I paid for it by going to jail, losing my dad while I was in there. Maybe so, maybe not. Um, but I carry that, and that's I think the one, like, tinge on my shoulder when I'm worried about, like, how strong am I? Am I good? It's survivor's guilt or just guilt in general. Um, I know you have partner, two young daughters. Yeah. Your hands are full with cats and dopey. Do you, is the, does that creep in still all these years later? Do you have survivor's guilt from Todd or Chris?
1: No, I don't. And I, uh, I don't think I ever did. And I think the only reason I don't, there's only one reason that I don't. And it's because I work so hard at recovery. You know, my my recovery work is paid off in my recovery. And it's like a fucking one-to-one ratio. I do recovery work. I I have a new sponsee who's in Phoenix House. I I talked to him before I did anything today. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so invested in meetings, in sobriety and and being connected to people who are struggling that I know the only reason that I'm sober. It's not like luck. It's strictly because I fucking work my ass off at it all the time. And Chris was like the most sober person I, I, I knew. And like when he stopped working, he fucking fucked up and died. And I I hate that that happened, but it only happened because he stopped doing the work. Straight up. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he might have not died because so many people get to use and not die, right. so it was fucking horrible that he had to be so unlucky and die because he could have, could have just as easily they were drug testing him the next morning. Right. He could have just as easily come up negative, gone to rehab, and come back and had another chance. Right. But I don't feel guilt, you know, and um, I feel sadness, yeah. I feel loss. I feel overwhelming sadness and loss on a daily basis. And uh, it's funny because every summer, Todd, Todd died in June, and Chris died in July, and his birthday is in August, and every summer I honor those months, and um, I don't listen to Dopey very often. You know, I don't even listen to it when I'm dealing with it, you know? Uh, but this summer I listened to a bunch of shit with Todd and Chris, and it's painful. And Chris, like, the thing with Chris is the weirdest part about Chris is that I only really knew him when we made the show. Right. It's this tiny little period of time that I knew him, and it's all documented in the show. So, like, I, I, it's like I knew him in there, but I didn't really know him before there at all, and I certainly don't know him after there, right. and it's weird.
3: If I stop doing the things um, which I've done um, that help me, that sort of center me, Um, I immediately go back to that baseline restlessness, irritable, and discontentness. And if I do that, I can only make it a matter of hours, weeks, months, until Mm -hmm. I pick up a drink or a drug. That's the longest I can last on my own willpower. So literally, I have to replace it with something else.
0: I think that that's important uh, to the story, is that you didn't have this long-standing friendship, right? There was like a ship's passing in rehab, right? You were at a rehab, he was at a rehab, you mm-hmm. connected briefly, mm-hmm. and then down the road, very early in your recovery, he was a bit further down the road. and uh, We were relapsing back and forth before right. that. Okay. but Never he, used together, though. Never. Okay, interesting. Um So, yeah, I, we walked through it deep on the last episode, so we're not going to walk through the passing or whatever, but... It was kind of it wasn't in the immediate aftermath, it was maybe like a year and change, I think, when we did it, maybe like eighteen months after Chris's passing. Yeah. And um so the this American Life episode had come out and um we talked then about like and what I guess it was kind of like guilt, but like the the success of Dopey and the cost, not so much the lives you're touching, which is we already went on but just the profile the reach the numbers like you always talked about wanting to you know be a, a talk show host being like a howard stern yeah like having a show you worked in that in that field for a bit yeah. right out of school what mm-hmm. whatnot and then you create this pod and you know we we go through what you went through and then you know for the past few years i mean it's, it, it hasn't been, like, plateauing. Like, it's been a slow, steady, like, elevate... You know, you're not losing listeners. You're not, like... No. Right? So what I'm saying is this this passion project has, you know, evolved into your life's work. And it's closely connected to your service. It's closely connected to your own uh, fellowship meetings, etc. Like, it's this sort of blur of, of work and... And your life, right? And it's for all of us to consume. You know, you've if you really think about it, like in the podcast, social media, immediacy age, you put a show out, and then thousands and thousands and and eventually millions of people listen to it. Um and I know you have a wife who's doesn't she's not afflicted, and young daughters, and you know, we know a lot about y'all's lives.
4: You right. Know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you
0: are careful. Like, it's not like you're
1: putting the... There's the, so many things I want to talk about right. on the show that I'm I am sure.
0: But what I'm getting at here, because I kind of struggle with this. and My mom listens to the pod, so I'm always conscientious of what I'm, if anything I'm saying. Would it be okay for her to know? And and Mike Dillon's here, right? He's playing with Anders. And a funny story is when Mike did my pod, he told some excruciating tales like one about getting a gun pulled on him and the blanks and and yeah among others yeah i I got a note from vera his mom that she learned about her own son from my pod things she literally did not know and she thanked me she said it was hard to listen to but thank you for giving him the opportunity to talk about this stuff because you know and she's still she's like in her 80s with purple hair going to shows i mean she's the coolest but my point being is that communicated to me my greatest fear would be like my mom hearing some abhorrent story that I told uh, very unflattering you know whatever from the dark days so I'm asking you because you you deal with that on a macro level on that how do you navigate tell it like it is and like sometimes it makes you look like a clown right and you just put it out there how do you how do you like approach that line of like what's Not for public consumption, but also being totally transparently Dave on Dopey.
1: Um, I don't know where the line is, because I like to cross it as much (laughs) as I can. Because, like, for me, like, I just think that's what humanity is. Humanity is, like, the dumb shit you do. Like, Like, I mean... A disgusting thing that I do and I talk about all the time is like on the Long Island Railroad, I often get allergic and I never have tissues so I take my socks off and I blow my nose into my socks. It's disgusting. But things like that are funny. Uh, And it's like, or, or like if I have a fight with Linda about something, people can relate to it and I don't mind being the clown because I know what's funny in the story. And for me, that's as good as like a fucking crazy drug story i love a crazy drug story but i would be just as happy if you told some ridiculous story about something really stupid that you did or happened to you because i think those are the best stories you know it, it's something humiliating but also humbling that we can share mm-hmm. and it, it's those are the things that I, I think they're the currency that i've lived on my whole life Uh, in addiction out of addiction as a kid as an adult they're they're very special stories for some reason and I think sharing them is what connects people and I think sharing I think Dopey the best thing about Dopey was was to make somebody laugh uh, and make somebody like be like holy shit I can't believe that happened and it's like and then we connect because of it or or other people connect because of it or like when somebody this week on the show you're on uh, the show starts I, I read this Fairly long email. that I actually did an interview for, I think, Spin, yes, this morning. And the guy was like, I listened to your show. That email you read at the beginning was too long. (laughs) I was like, fuck. Uh, But the story was this woman who was a meth head. And she got busted driving in the middle of the country. And she wound up getting busted with a ton of meth and, and going to jail. And when she got to jail, she got sober. And she realized she was pregnant, and uh, she, ca- she her parents weren't going to help her before they found out she was pregnant. But when they found out she was pregnant, they did help her. And she got, she went home and she got sober. And she's and she's now she's sober. And she wanted to write this story about how this moment of sobriety in prison made her realize that she was pregnant, and that if she hadn't been sober, she might not have even found out and miscarried or whatever. And like, I feel like a story like that, it involves this woman, I don't know her, she feels safe to tell that story to our community, and our community is improved by her honesty and her willingness to share. And I love that.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And that's not the first time, I mean, you get a lot of, you get a ton of emails, and they're not all quite like that, but you you get a lot of people's most intensely personal purges and why do you think so because y'all have put oh, it was twofold so back in the days in the Chris era when it was about bringing the dopey yeah yeah right and for those listening so the, it's the currency of mm-hmm. dopey podcast for you know, until basically until Chris passed was the dumb shit and it was like the most ridiculous stories in the depths of your depravity of drug addiction or alcoholism like the ridiculous things you did and the consequences and the ability to like rear view mirror and laugh at it and obviously after Chris's death and the evolution of the show into the interview format it's not solely predicated on dopey there are there are dopey famines where there's like several episodes with none and then you'll get a guy like jerry stall come on and drop so many that you can't count right so uh point being uh that willingness for you guys to open up that you know you told every last one in all your quivers your quiver chris's quiver yeah, yeah. todd's quiver
1: uh and then, i don't think we got the best out of todd we no, got you got some
0: i'm just saying so people realize like this is where i go to like because there's like shame in that stuff and like real ugliness. And that, that's toxic. That's poison. And along, I'm not a big recovery guy, but one of my mantras is you're only as sick as your secrets. Totally. And I've used that in my life tremendously. So I think when you say, why do people write that? Why did that lady write that story? Um, because they feel, like you said, safe in the sort of collective, you know, like it's like a bosom where it's like these people understand i need to get this out and then you know maybe that purge opens up pandora's box for a whole lot of amends for a whole lot of forgiveness and 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 it and started as like
1: tell me some fucking dopey right and it turns into magic it's a, it's also just like when you and and i appreciate when you say i i will put myself out there like some kind of clown i will do that and i do it in, enjoying it Unless someone thinks I'm corny. I don't like that. But when people think it's funny and, and people like and a lot of people just get where I'm coming from. And then they they know they can tell some ridiculous fucking story and, and it, it creates a, a safe space. And like I never was interested in creating a safe space, but I really am proud of our space. You, I mean, it is safe, though. I know, but you know, like, that's like a buzzword. Right. Like, this whole place, this whole thing is built on all sorts of wellness buzzwords. And yeah. that's, like, the antithesis of what I ever wanted Dopey to be. And yet, I kind of walk around here half self-deprecating, but really, I know I built something that could stand up to this whole thing. And It's I've, way
0: more real. It's tangible. Like, my problem with New Age stuff in general is it's, like, platitudes and oh, yeah. word salads. Yeah, and like, yeah. What is it, really? And right. And, like, you whether it's on dopey or even in these panels
1: you're, you're, you're not you're not I don't fuck with that shit yes, thank you. I refuse I, I and if I did I would be ruined once in a while though like I'll tell you it's been seven years since I you know smoked weed and, and like maybe it's been nine years since I shot dope and, and maybe it's been eleven years since I was addicted to heroin you know what I mean and sometimes I feel like like I'm, I haven't drugs in a long time i haven't like hidden drugs or had drugs or it's so like sometimes i read the i i read the email like like i'm my dad or something because right. it's a little bit like that because it's like also when people talk about like the human body regenerates all its cells in seven years or something it's like i'm a totally different person right you know but i still like and sometimes i feel like they think i'm a fraud because i have clean time which yes. is funny but uh But I I, I still am entertained by that shit because I know the places that we go. you know. But it's funny, right?
0: You do. And, you know, (coughs) it's uh, you. It's you, and that's what's important. If you start becoming, and I'm not going to name names, but, you know, the guy that you did uh, yesterday, the panel with, if you comported yourself like that and talked to people like that... It would be a problem. Well, it wouldn't be Dave from Dopey Podcast. It would be something else somebody else and so i love that you even in this sort of highfalutin uh, wellness recovery yeah yeah you bring like i stay dave true i stay yeah, true you dropped f-bombs you talked new york shit you made bad jokes you made great jokes uh you disarmed people i you know before we get into the next question i just want to tell the listeners it was amazing to see dave in the live context in some scenarios that he wasn't necessarily super comfortable in hosting a panel navigating making small talk having prepared notes going off the cuff uh honestly man like you should you know as much as this is available to you whether it's in the recovery community in the music event community obviously there's cross-pollination happening now like you're good at this people react to you respond to you i took such a measure of pride in when you told your story yesterday, like kind of an abbreviated version of your in and out of addiction and your family and yeah. all that, like having lived that with you through the pod and our friendship, to see the impact it had on other people, knowing it like I know it, was one of the best moments that I had here. Thank here. you, I appreciate that. For real,
1: what's sad, I really wish I could have told you told Chris's story. I didn't tell Chris's story in any of these things, right? And I and, I, and that bothered me but these things weren't supposed to be about me
4: and
0: i don't think that yeah that and the real you could have referenced it but i don't think it was really appropriate in like the love context or the anders context. right it wasn't right but we're talking about it you're doing the podcast here with me you talked to spin did you mention it to spin mention which the
1: chris yeah of course right so so you did mention
0: it just not in the panels when you were really interviewing other people right so but you did take a moment to say, hey, here's my story. This is why I'm here for like 90 seconds. But you did it in a very impactful way. And, and knowing what I know, I was just proud of you. Thanks. And I was like, that's my dude right there.
4: On
3: the days we stopped to decide.
0: Recently, you yes. had Carolyn Mountain Girl Garcia. On yes. The now we talk about feathers and caps, like, and you've had Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, you've had you've been on Mark Marin, You've had Mark Maron. You've had like numerous
1: rock stars and celebrities. Killer Mike, Danny Trejo, blah yeah. blah blah. Give blah. us some real quick. Give,
0: give give me the highlight reel. Who you've had?
1: Uh, you know, the highlight reel is is that that was it. <laughs> uh, fucking Andy Dick twice. Yeah. Fucking Killer Mike, Danny Trejo. Uh, Who's been big? Steven Adler. Steven Adler, but I feel like we've had Steve Jerry Stahl, I loved, yeah. um, Margaret Cho, Dr. Drew several times. It's like um I'm sure there's better ones. Andrew Zimmern, uh, there's been a ton of people.
0: Yeah. My point being is is like this is when you talk about Venn diagram, like you grew up loving the dead, you've always, you know, romanticized the Acid Test, Merry Pranksters, Hate Ashbury. All of it. Right, and of course you have an intimate experience with heroin addiction. And so Mountain Girl came on Dopey and she didn't just pop, like some of the celebrities you have on, they pop on and they, Nikki Six or whatever gives you like canned interview you know, responses. That was not this. This was, and I, as a deadhead who's read all the books, um, I learned some nuggets, some details. Uh, Me too. of their domesticated life of yeah. what he liked to do um, so let's talk about that experience like first of all how did it come to pass uh, like how do you get connected with Jerry's wife and um, just how did that make you feel what are the reflections of the episode was that different for you because of your connection to the legacy of the GD and Garcia you know or what you know, all that stuff the, I just wanna the hear way
1: that. I feel about it is like I grew up uh, when I was a teenager. I read the Electric Kool Aid Acid Test, and I was like, I want my life to be like that. <laughs> and I and I started taking acid. I started playing music, I, and I and I started reading Kerouac and and Burroughs, and, and I was like, I want my, I want to be one of these people. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be one of these people. And uh, you know, I I, be, I got into TV, and I did drugs and whatever. I interviewed. Bob Weir, when I was on heroin, I, I and it was terrible, and and but I wasn't invested in the Dead f- full fully then. I, I, they were just kind of like a sideshow in in my universe. And I went to see the Dead in the '90s a, a bunch of times, and I was around the scene, and I liked them, but they didn't drill a hole in my heart and, and exist until way later. And like when I talk about the Grateful Dead now and Jerry, like I. I cannot measure how much I love Jerry's playing, Jerry's music, Jerry's vibrancy, the, the Grateful Dead's legacy, who they are, their 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 music, like, uh, their story. So, like, I've been trying to pick up crumbs uh, along the way, and I got to interview Sam Cutler. To You know, it wasn't the best interview I ever did, but it was interesting, and I, I felt good about it. I got to interview uh, Justin Kreutzman, who, who is Bill Kreutzman's, Uh, Son, I got to interview... um, Decorated filmmaker as well. Oh, decorated documentarian. Absolutely. And... uh in each interview, I fucked up someplace, right? Fucking Cutler, he was not interested, and he wanted to talk about, like, some shooting that happened in Vegas at the time. Kreutzman, I made fun of Bob Weir, and he shut down. And then I had Big Steve Parrish, who didn't like any bit of the interview until maybe two-thirds in. He was, like, he came alive for, like, five minutes. He went to school me on how heroin was created. Are you all right? Are we good? We're good. So, so, like, I'm just following this trail... And I I interviewed a guy named Seth Ferranti, and Seth Ferranti was, there was a guy named Ryan Leone, and Ryan Leone was a really talented author.
0: Rest in peace, recently passed away.
1: He died recently as two little kids, and me and him became friends, and it was always at arm's length, you know what I mean? But he was a sweetheart. Divisive
0: character in, in the dopey community.
1: Major polarizing dopey yep. figure for sure. Also, you know, people have said Ryan's first dopey episode had the top, all top ten of the all time dopey stories. That's how fucking hardcore that dude was, and he had um, he had written a book in prison, and he became friends with this guy Seth Ferranti, who wrote. 20 books in prison right. and he had gotten busted with uh, I think 10,000 doses in the in the mid 90s and went to jail for fucking 20 years or something. Yeah. And that guy
0: uh, Seth Ferrante was in the dead scene. He was like he, he wasn't necessarily a deadhead, but he he trafficked his uh, psychedelics closely connected to the dead scene. I remember listening to that.
5: Yeah, basically like I had I had a connection who was like a hardcore deadhead. He was on tour And he was like, he was like in in one, like what they call the, the, the families, you know, the Grateful Dead families, which, you know, I mean, there, there's a ton of them. It's just like little, you know, loose affiliations of people that do business together. And, uh, you know, so he's in the families. So it's like, you know, I, I got my buddy, he's in the families and then, and then they got the chemists and a a lot of the chemists, a lot of it still, it's all centered like around San Francisco, you know, as it has been, you know, since the sixties. So You know, basically, like there's these chemists and they feed all these families and then they got these people in the families and and they would go on tour and sell it. You know, like I remember being at shows and like they're flying like 25 grams, you know, of crystalline, you know, but then once they get it there, then, you know, they got they got to lay it. They got to get the blotter. Like sometimes you would be on the lot and, you know, I'm trying like my main objective is not the music. My main objective is drugs. So I'd be on the lot and I'd be trying to get, you know, like like 100 sheets which is basically, you know, like 10,000 hits, and they'd be like, well, the crystal's here. They flew 25 grams of crystal in, but uh, we got to get the the blotter paper's not here yet, you know, because also the blotter paper, you just couldn't buy it anywhere. They would have to specially make it and ship that in too, so then they would have to get it, and then they would have to lay it, you know, and then you could, you know, you could actually get it. So that's why eventually, like with my buddy, instead of going on tour, I'm like, man, just uh i want to do like a mail order you know so they hooked that up where i could just call someone and they would just mail it wherever i wanted i could get it mailed anywhere i could get 100 sheets they would put it like right in an overnight envelope and ship it right like that but that's that's kind of uh that's kind of how it went so you know like like i knew some dudes you know they'd be like oh this dude's family like on the lot or stuff so you knew who the big dudes were and they, they were actually uh you know they had dudes like they had a dude like cosmic charlie you know he passed now you know but uh you know they had like cosmic charlie they they had fast eddie he he's passed through, but they had all these dudes like you knew they were the big dudes on the lot, but at the same time you had these dudes that you knew were the big dudes on the lot you heard you heard about the dudes that you never saw like you heard her you heard about the chemists, you know, but the chemists were never around, but you just heard and and to me these were like these mystical magical like almost like wizards yeah like sorcerers you know dudes dudes like Leonard Picard you know or like Bear Stanley Owsley you know these dudes that were you know that were the the well-known chemists and it and it was like it was true because it was a total outlaw culture like you know you didn't even you didn't say those people's names back then like people would talk about (laughs) them and you knew who were talking about but you didn't say their names because of the law enforcement scrutiny and Seth Ferranti's a really interesting character like he's
1: number one. He's got a big heart, and number two, like, like it didn't feel like we were vibing, but we were, and like, and and, I, and he was just so interested in outlaw culture, and I wanted to tap into outlaw culture. I mean, and I tried to hook him up with this guy I knew to make movies and stuff, and we, we and then Ryan died, right. and like, and me and him like started talking more, but he was. Super connected to Mountain Girl and wow. to uh, the Grateful Dead family because he he has project after project about like growing weed in, in you know in your part of the world, LSD documentaries, documentaries about um, uh, organized crime and drugs, and he's such a prolific writer that him and MG were so close that he's helping her with the memoir. Like, he's the person that's helping her with the wow. memoir. And he's also fucking really tight with... Um, what's her face? Um, Owsley's ex. Lainey, I think her name is. Lainey Stanley. And um, so I wanted... And Lainey Stanley's like an old Jew from New York. I wanted her on, and I wanted Mountain Girl on. And normally, with somebody like Caroline Mountain Girl Garcia, the interview's gonna go to shit. She's gonna, like, ignore me, not like something I say. But something happened... First thing I did is I connected through Trixie. And I sent her and Trixie a box from Katz's. And they were so excited to get this box from Katz's. <laughs> Always. And then me and them were just like... And she could tell like how much I love Jerry. And that's Jerry's daughter. And, and how much I also really valued Mountain Girl's story. She came up pre-dead. She came up with Keezy. She came up in Palo Alto. And like I thought her story was just as important as anybody's story, you know, including Jerry Garcia's. Also, because she had, I think, two daughters with Jerry and one daughter with, with Kesey, and, and my partner had had a daughter with me and had to deal with my heroin addiction, and I thought there was a real parallel in okay. the story, except it was Jerry's wife, <laughs> you know? And so, like, I knew I was gonna get the fucking 101 on psychedelics, and then I was gonna get how opioids affected a family. And when I got on the phone with her, me and her were just fucking one of the it was it was probably the best interview I ever did. We just were like we were in sync, yeah <coughs> and she I also have a thing for old nerdy ladies <laughs> and she's an old nerdy lady, and I came up with a lot of friends whose theirs moms were just like Mountain Girl, so I knew how to talk to her. She was yeah. just like my friend jim's mom, and I talked to her like it was my friend jim's mom, and she Picked up on my style. And we fucking... She's also from upstate New York. Like, we had a lot... A lot of simpatico shit. And she loved the dopey... You know, vibe. And also the dopey purpose. And she felt, like, really happy... To be a part of it. And to help somebody. And I think she she was really generous. We did, I think, three hours... (coughs) excuse me, we did like three hours, we did an hour and a half and then I had to go pick up my kids at a softball game. She's like, oh, call me back whenever. I called her back two hours later and we did another hour and a half. You know? And it was like, it was fucking incredible.
0: Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, as, As a fan of the Grateful Dead and as a, you know, intermediate scholar of that whole universe and as a dopey listener, as a former I guess I'll always be an opiate uh, addict, even if I'm not using. Using, So it, it checked a lot of boxes for me. And like I said, from a dead history, Jerry history standpoint, I learned new stuff. I was trying to pinpoint, there was an early part of the conversation where you really got our trust. Um, I don't I remember. I, I, I
1: don't remember what yeah. it was. We're yeah. going
0: to put the episode, link to the Mountain Girl episode in the show notes. So... Y'all can listen. I highly recommend it. Um,
1: Maybe it was, the, oh, it was the Ibogaine thing. You're right. It was Ibogaine. Ibogaine and Aliens. Correct.
0: Ibogaine and Aliens. Yeah,
1: it, it was like she saw fucking Aliens after she had done Ibogaine. And I did Ibogaine. And I saw Aliens. And, and B fucking texts me. And he's like, did you really see Aliens? Were you bullshit?" her? <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, yeah, that was what it was.
0: Right. That's exactly what it was. But it really earned her trust. And, and that reminds me, like, dude, she had the craziest job before, always, like working in a, a university lab with all
1: analyzing them. the craziest psychedelic chemicals. Yes, I know of all people. I know like pre Exactly. Right. That's what I was like. And I said to her doesn't this make you believe in fate? And she didn't even want to talk about that. But it's like, you're the most fated person for this experience. The story where she goes to fucking town on her bike and Robert Hunter's the barista and kicks her out of the coffee shop and Neil Cassidy picks her up. That was the story that was like, what?
4: Right. Yeah,
0: it was exactly. And you're like thinking about who these people are and their roles and
1: the... It's like imagine you walk down the street in Park City and like Robert Redford's like scooping ice cream and fucking... You know what I'm saying? It's just... It's bizarre. It's just bizarre. Our lives aren't like that.
0: No. They're not. You know, but it's... It was just a remarkable episode. I highly recommend it. Um, but I've also... I enjoyed the Seth Ferranti
1: episode a lot. Um, He's a good dude, and I'm going to get him back on because he's fucking prolific. And he wants to come on your yeah, show, too. I want to have him on
0: the pod because you know, I'm familiar with his work. I want to I wanna get up to speed on a couple of books. I've just seen him on YouTube and listened to him on a couple pods, including yours. Um, but I really like um, the way that the... Because in the beginning, when we talked the first time you were on my pod, you were still figuring out the interview era, the context of yeah. dopey... Post Chris having a guest, you've you know messed around with some co-hosts. You've had people recurring roles. I've come on a few times. You know, obviously at Ray, but Howie, etc. Um, but you've really settled in. And even when we were talking about how you were going to lay out the Jerry Stahl episode, you're like, "Here's how it goes." You know, emails and 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 the interview and the hang. And you know, used to maybe do a song at the end sometimes. But I guess you don't have a song for 300 and however many episodes. But um, Good
1: So Bad's at the end That's it
0: Right But no You used to play like uh, Listener songs Like Dude would come in With like the banjo version Or you know here, we, we, we
1: We do it here and
0: there Right well, I'm we, saying You can't keep up every week no. With a new Dopey song you've really settled into a format that works that's familiar that clicks and uh you know so i appreciate that even if i don't necessarily love every interview and i like do like most of them but i'm just you know i have duds too you know we, it's just like what comes with the territory especially when you're doing a weekly yeah for six plus years um but i want this might not be fun but i think it's important to talk about yes um when we're talking about polarizing or divisive People. So you have a sponsee, or he was a sponsee yeah. at some point in time, yeah. somebody you know from meetings. Yeah. You had him on the show. Mm-hmm. He's uh, unfortunately named uh, Fentanyl J. Nicknamed Fentanyl right. J. Well, yes. obviously, that's yes. not his government. But That'd anyway, be funny
1: if it was his real name. <laughs>
0: um, that said, uh, we just talked about you know the deaths of two friends. Yeah. Um, at least one of them was directly a result of fentanyl. And we, both of them. Okay, so both of them. I know some folks, both, you know, people who are using opiates that, that didn't live and people that mm. were using cocaine and didn't live because of the cross-contamination. So the, the scourge of fentanyl has affected us directly. Uh, in our lives and we can say that for probably 99.5% of the dopey listener base has been adversely affected in a major way Mm -hmm. by the scourge of fentanyl way worse than when people were just dying from dope right so you have taken a shine to this young man because you are in service and you believe in forgiveness I'm not trying to put words in your mouth I'm just I'm just leading my listeners Uh up to like where we're at Uh um this dude is facing major time mm-hmm. for large-scale fentanyl trafficking right um, so let's talk about the the decision the the what are you thinking about and uh, how are you evaluating the pros and cons of platforming someone who admittedly uh, is responsible for death
1: well first of all, Shout out to Fentanyl Jay. No, <laughs> secondly, um, I want to say Jay's not on the show anymore because he's drinking, you know, and he's drinking as far as I know casually, and and I I don't talk about that on Dopey, so that's a exclusive. I haven't said that ever anywhere, but uh, this is the thing about Jay. Uh, I met him last winter uh, at my twelve step meeting, and he is. One of the most lovable people I've ever met in my life. Just so charismatic. And when I met him, he was fucked. You know, he, he had three or four months clean. He, the run he had been on was just tore him the fuck up. He had no people. He had no work. He had no money. He had burned every bridge. He got busted with thousands of pills of fentanyl in Ohio. He was a, a big-time fentanyl trafficker. Uh making crazy money with a wake of bodies in in his past, uh, both sexually and death. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was a a player, like a kid, like a drug dealer kid, like from a movie or something. A Jay-Z song. Yeah, for for sure. Um, First time I heard him share, I was like, this kid's got to be on the show. And it took months to get him on the show. And me and him got in my car and we went down to the great south bay and we did an hour and a half and he told me his story and i thought it was one of my favorite interviews i ever got to do and um and again this is a a up full life exclusive because i don't i've never talked about this on the show um he asked me to sponsor him shortly after and i agreed and i loved this kid you know what i mean like i loved working with him uh you know, taking him through the 12 steps. And uh, I loved it when he'd come over. My kids loved him. Linda loved him. Like, he's a very lovable kid. And he... Um, I had him as a co-host a bunch of times. Very polarizing co-host. So, so people write songs about him, and other people despise him. And and no D- one... Just songs or like... No, praise. Praise songs. Okay. Um, but But nobody except you, I think, has questioned his past as something that should not have him be a part of Dopey or be judged in any sort of way. So for me, listen, I did a lot of shit I wish I hadn't done. Uh, I don't know what he owns of that period and what he doesn't own. I know he's... I know I really like him. I love him. And And he seems to have a really good heart. Um... I don't for I, I i he doesn't need to apologize to me for what he did of i don't course not. i don't judge him for that stuff because he was an addict and he was using and again that's
0: not a, a- absolve anybody of anything
1: right of course no absolution
0: you and I both did plenty of junk yes we're, we don't have bodies
1: right but i don't even I, I i i I don't even think about it like I don't know why okay. i don't i don't have any sort of feeling about um morals with him and what he did if he did it now i would have feelings about it but for me when someone comes in and they they're done and they he 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 doesn't feel good about what right. he did but that's different
0: like come in i'm done i surrender i'm powerless so my life is unmanageable right is not Come on my show and talk to thousands of people. That's different than you counseling him privately, putting him on the show. So I'll just tell you where why it bothered me. Uh-huh. Okay, um, and I'm not attacking you. I, you know, well, I'm, I I'm love good. you. I'm I bro- fucking dude. Yeah, we're I'm here. I just telling you what, where I coming. It's fair from. enough. I didn't like, like, okay. So I knew a lot of Jays in in the tri-state area. Sure you know loved hip-hop spout jay-z lines fucking mac and chicks right especially down the shore in the summer yes Come on.
1: right i knew a lot of these cats uh-huh
0: um i don't hear well i haven't heard from him in a while he's not on the show anymore but when this was in real time he was still chesty he was still like a little bit cocky yeah. not contrite i didn't get a sense of like humbling Ownership, Sure, he was like, I got busted and this is happening. My life's over. I'm going to prison. He was owning that, but that's fucking obvious. Right. His energy, his attitude, the way he carried it on the show just had a ton of ego still. And and that plus the past was no go for me. So it it just irked me that here you were giving him the platform. The platform and also, unbeknownst to everyone else, the gift of... Sponsorship and and mentorship and all that stuff, or before at whatever he came on dopey first, then you gave him the sponsorship. Point being, uh, he didn't. He, it didn't feel gracious or humble. It felt chesty and cocky,
1: okay and that rubbed me the. But way. I can speak to that really, really easily. Okay, and and this is the thing, I think people are way different on a microphone than they are in reality. A lot of the time. And Jay is, is a young man. He's in his mid-twenties, late-twenties, whatever. And whatever he did on the show was through this filter, apparatus, whatever. And I, did, I saw right through it. And I, 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 that is a, a pose, you know? Right. And it's also, for me, if you really want to open this thing up, I think it's funny. I think, it's, it, it is. I think there's shtick on shtick on shtick. And like I like mocking him... And I also like that he is this character. And I also love how, like, he's an idiot. like and, and he's silly. And he's self-deprecating as well. And he knows, like, it's a pose deep down. Like, I think when I look at him, I see past what, I don't hear what's coming out of the speakers because I'm sitting with him. Right. And, and I, I get a different sense. And, like, the fact of the matter was, when he was on the show, I was so relieved. Because I, that was pure. Like, for me, like that was the real fucking... That was Dopey. Right. Like, he was it. I was so excited when, when, when Jay, in his first three episodes... His last episode, I think he had, he had already had a drink or two, and he wasn't trying to figure out how to move into a life of, of sobriety. And, like, Dopey shouldn't be pigeonholed into something like that, but there's just something about the vibe that you need it. And I loved having like Erin. Erin Carr is on often. She's very bright. She's a writer. She, you know, she was a horrible heroin addict for a long time. I loved being able to toggle them. Like I, I really liked that. And I, 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 I was very sad. Like I was sad that Jay went. Like Jay, I, I ran into Jay the other day. He seems happy as a fucking clam. I don't think he's like using I think he drinks occasionally. He doesn't wanna deal with twelve step meetings. He's twenty seven. He doesn't wanna deal with that shit. And and like what am I gonna say? I didn't want to right. go to twelve step meetings when I was twenty-seven. Like I'd been like, fuck you, I don't wanna go. Um Selfishly I miss him on the show. Selfishly I miss him as a sponsee. He's gonna to come to DopeCon. I and I love him. You know what I mean? Like me sure. and Linda me, Linda and Susan are in Chipotle the other day fucking eating. And Jay pops up, you know what I mean, and I—I I, I seem like a little brother or something. Like I—I like, I really like love this kid.
0: I respect that, and
1: I'm—and I'm, you can tell how how yeah, serious I am 100%. about it. Also, the worst thing though is I had this feeling when he was on the show that he was gonna die, and it was the next one, you know what I mean? And right. that was a scary feeling, you know, like, and I still kind of have that scary feeling about him. Um, like, what's going to happen? Is he going to do 10 years in prison? Is he going to relapse and die? What's going to happen with him? You know? Right. And I would say that to him on the show, and, 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 I, and I think that made him a little uncomfortable, but he knew, because he went as far as anyone.
0: Right, right.
1: Personally and dealing. He wasn't just a dealer. He was fucking using like a crazy person.
0: Yeah, his story is, is riveting and illuminating.
1: Chesty's a good word, though. But it was very chesty. I look...
0: I find myself liking the guy because of his candor. And, like, we have a lot of the same, you know, crossover of things we're into. And, like, again, I knew kids like him growing up. Um, It's not like I dislike him. I just have – I struggle with the disconnect because of, like, what he's facing and, like, what's in his past and his just cavalier attitude in general. It just – so if he was my friend, I might be like, dude – you know, but yeah. when it's just the dopey thing, you know, I just wanted to ask you if you had any the moral, uh, you know, sort of battle between the ears regarding the, the fentanyl
1: factor. The other thing. Is, and the other, no, I didn't. And, and I wish I had. I have I have a little bit of a moral failing here and there. Um, I, I don't I'm not the most like I didn't call it that. No, no, no. I, I have a little vacancy with some things that a lot of people care about. You know what I mean? I just do. Like the fucking Tom McDonald. That's my
0: next question. But before we, got, before we <laughs> get to the
1: Tom McDonald, I, 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 I prioritize, and it might not be for the best, I prioritize the show. And, and with Jay, like, I love him. You know what I mean? I can say it a hundred times, and I loved him on the show. He was a fucking idiot also, and he gave out a hundred shout-outs, and people hated him. But I loved the absurd... They just thought it was annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he shouted out everybody and then I started shouting people mm-hmm. out because I thought it was silly and fun. Um, but I, I'm going to say one last thing about Jay. Um, I've known a lot of people in my life. I don't think I ever met anybody as magnetic as this kid. You go to anywhere with him, all eyes are on him. He, he, it's crazy. I never saw that before. And, and I wanted it for the like show. Tupac. He is like that. Yeah. He is magnetic like I've never seen
0: I mean, you got to hope that whatever sentence he gets and that he like goes through it and comes out the other side and can uh, use that magnetism
1: to do something good. Right. Yeah. Whether
0: it's his story sounds like it would be like amazing motion picture. Uh huh. Right. For sure. So maybe he can take the time to divorce himself from, you know, I'm fentanyl J, What up to like write his story, like a Safferanti kind of turnaround.
1: Well, he's going to have time to do that. Well, yeah,
0: let's hope, you know, I still don't want to see him get smacked too hard. I mean, nobody does. I mean, I am lucky that I only did the year, you know, I got sentenced to two, I only had to do one, and granted, cannabis is a far cry from fentanyl, but there are still people of color, people from when there was a, a different attitude towards cannabis, doing time for less weed than I got about four. So I have to be conscientious of that. But that's not what we're talking about here. You mentioned the Tom McDonald thing. So for those listening at home, like Dave and I have been friends for four plus years. And the only time we've actually ever had like a legitimate Fisher or disagreement. I think
1: there was somebody else too. There, I think there was somebody else that you were... That right. I objected yeah, to? Yeah, I don't remember who that but It wasn't no, like that. I didn't silent no.
0: treatment you over it like I did this time. Right.
1: So, uh, and this
0: is me. Like Dave did not have any role in, uh, in like he wasn't trying to have an argument or have a disagreement with me. I took umbrage and objection to a guest on the show, uh, a rapper named Tom McDonald, who is popular uh, with like MAGA, right wing- White liber- people. <laughs> yeah, libertarians, etc. cetera. Uh, just a sort of like culture war. He's really uh, sort of monopolized the that sort of right wing-
1: Anti-woke kind of sentiment. Right. Been controlled
2: since the day that they were civilized the truth has been so heavily politicized if you don't know who's controlling you and killing all the little guys find out who you're not allowed to criticize black folks who would never have actual slaves fighting with white folks who ain't actual Nazis controlled by rich folks who use the news to make hate while elite folks control other political parties
0: and and yeah. it's no secret to those listening at home I'm very invested on the other side of things and while I'm not here to censor anybody or, or or, tell someone they can't make the music they want. Um, I sure as shit wouldn't platform it. Um, Dave's a different guy. It's a different show. Um, there's recovery in Tom's story. Uh, but I... And Dave... Asked me, I don't think he was prepared for how angry I was gonna
1: get when he, I had a, when he I floated had, the idea. I, I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a I had a hunch.
0: Right. But I didn't it's not like I raised my voice to you, I just like adamantly told you that this was You broke it down. It was, was like and, and, and what we said to each other is not for the air or what I said to you, but I just expressed that this was a line I couldn't cross and that I've proudly waved the Dopey flag for years. I've come on this show. Anytime I find somebody that's either in the thick of addiction or celebrating a recovery anniversary, I ask, do you know about Dopey? Do you listen to Dopey? Please join us. So, I didn't want to do that and have somebody go check out Dopey and it's Tom yeah, McDonald, yeah. right? That That's not
4: yeah. kosher. Yeah, no, right? far from it. So
0: that's where I drew the line. And I said, man, if you if you do this, I'm, I'm going to be on Dopey hiatus for a while. Not, and you not, were. And I was, yeah. I fucking muted you on Twitter, you know? Wow. Yeah, yeah I didn't want to see the post. Cold blooded. No, no, I was going to come in hot. Right and be a dick right so if i don't see it right then i'm it's not easier. gonna do it yeah right.
1: yeah, yeah so um, i just like that
0: um you know I, you're unmuted we're good um here we are yeah dude i never loved you any less i, I had to do this for my own conscience and principles okay? i
1: get it and well, i got it then too i so, was very i was straight yeah, up about you it
0: were. so let's talk about that uh what did you evaluate? Because you told me, like, you never had thought twice about Fentanyl J because of all the reasons you said and who he is um, and your relationship to him and your fondness for him. So how did you With rationalize or navigate the should I, shouldn't I, the polarization of him? Because, you know, he didn't necessarily say a bunch of right-wing shit on your show, but it's that's his brand.
1: He didn't say any... First of all, he didn't say any right-wing shit on the show, number one. Do you think he knew he
0: was talking to a Jewish guy?
1: I think so. Well, because he was supposed to come on and I had done no research. And uh, first, let me back it up. We started, you know, Dopey didn't really exist on YouTube. And I have this friend who does video production and he's like, if you want to do some YouTube shit, I'll do it for you. And I was like, great. And my friend's name was Howie and I've known him for 25 years since Burly Bear. And he, um... He was like, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. And I'll come over once a week and we'll shoot interviews and daily reflections and how he's really plugged in to YouTube culture. And I am not plugged into YouTube culture. Howie paid attention to the fact that Tom McDonald got $10 million plus every fucking stupid video he dropped. And... Um, He was like... And he knew that Tom McDonald had a couple of songs that were about sobriety and addiction and videos that were very, very graphic around drug addiction and recovery. And he was like, you should get this guy on. So I was like, okay. And I didn't listen to his music. And um, I I think I actually listened to those songs. And, you know, to be 100% real... I wasn't the biggest fan of those songs. I wasn't. I mean, I like old-school hip-hop, you know what I mean? Like, And this music was not like old-school hip-hop. And uh, his aesthetic wasn't an aesthetic that I was comfortable with, you know, tattooed face, weird long braids, all that stuff. It was not something that I was attracted to. Um, and then I started listening to interviews with him. And he doesn't present in a way that is crazy right-wing in his interviews his songs have an anti-woke sentiment and he wants to play the part of of a wrestler uh, the rocking heel. the heel rocking the apple cart of of wokeness of highfalutin um, shit political correctness. political correctness and and like and play this part and to be totally to as they say in the streets keep it at 100 <laughs> i fucking wanted i wanted the the exposure sure i wanted a guest that gets 10 million fucking uh views and then i'll take it one step further when i first talked to tom mcdonald uh and i wasn't prepared i was like do you mind if we do it next week and he was like "Nah, dog that's cool and i was like you're a mensch and he said what's a mensch and I said, oh, it's a Yiddish word for a really cool and capable person who, who, who acts in, the, in, in, in someone else's best interest. And he goes, oh. And then he hangs up the phone. I was like, Howie, do you think he's going to come back? <laughs> but, uh, but when he came back, he was cool as the fucking other side of the pillow. He was a sweetheart. He was open. He was vulnerable. Uh, when I talked about being a right-wing weirdo, he said, I don't believe in the right or the left. That, that was his take. He didn't. He knew he was talking to some liberal Jew from New York City. He knew where I was coming from, and he fucking colored in the lines. He didn't fuck with it, and and more than that, he fucking promoted the fuck out of it. And and where all of my YouTube videos are lucky if they get two hundred views, my Tom McDonald interview got twenty six thousand, and um, and everyone wrote I'm the greatest interviewer in the world, which was nice. I'm sure. Um, I don't want to. And we had such so many conversations about it and where it all lands, I I never wanna fucking profile or, or promote anybody who has any kind of hate speech. And where I was with Tom McDonald, I didn't feel like he did. I feel like he, he does he does have a fan base that is MAGA. He he does have a, a fan base that isn't my my fan base or my people or what, maybe there's a, a tiny Venn diagram there, but not really. Um, But he was a person who who struggled with with addiction and mental illness and really had a problem, you know, and really went through something. And he told that story, you know, and then the real and he told it well. But the funny thing is his, his episode didn't hit. Nobody, nobody tuned in. Only Dopey Nation people tuned in and they didn't fucking give a shit. You know what I mean? They weren't really turned on by his story. They weren't turned on by his politics or turned off because he didn't really put it on Front Street. But uh, a couple people thought he was boring, you know, and his audience loved the shit out of the interview. In the end, I'm happy I did it because also Tom McDonald, unlike, you know, Josh Peck, who has a similar YouTube presence, Tom McDonald was cool to me. Like likes my shit on Instagram, comments on my Instagram posts, congratulates me for my recovery he He was kinder than than ninety percent of the people with his reach and 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 that's a testament to yeah. who he actually is yeah, so
0: there's a lesson there for me you know to hear that to hear despite all the baggage here's your
1: my experience right yeah
0: and and that's important for people to hear uh that that's what that was because i fall victim a lot to the divide to the polarity and i'm like oh that guy's on that team i can't fuck with that right so i'm i'm owning that right and and the fact that and the, i'm going to take it old school now uh, you've always kind of cuz i have we our friendship has kind of overlapped with like the trump's presidency and the pandemic sure and and dark brandon you know so (laughs) anyway um naturally we have a lot of conversations about current events issues of the day you know and i say a lot i mean for friends instead of talking about like the knicks you know we might be talking about fucking you know george floyd or something right so and i appreciate that 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 you uh, Communicate with me about that stuff when, whenever I need to talk about it, or whatever you. And sometimes, you know, the lines get crossed in this situation where I take a personal, you know, umbrage to some, a professional move of yours or whatever. and I'm glad that we're able to sort of, you know, get through it, and you didn't hate me for, you know, ignoring you for several months, and 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 I didn't hold this against you for any longer than I. I
1: it required after. what it required, right?
0: Right, right. but. Um, what I was getting at with that is that you always have kind of taken uh, this sort of like, well, what do we really know approach, whether we're talking about COVID or whether we're talking about politics or, you know, like, I would be like, but here's how it is. And you'd be like, with a vaccine, whatever. Do you really know? Like, do you really know? Like, and you're going to get mad and you're going to like hold judgment against someone else because they believe something different than you. Like, you've always kind of taken that sort of contrarian, like, You know, like, people are going to think what they think, and, like, this is what I'm here to do, and I'm not going to traffic in the culture war. And I can remember specifically where, like, me and several other dopes were pissed because the way Bob was edited, talking about, like, Trump and MAGA and, and uh, I think Biden, I don't remember what it was, but Bob, you know, from Dr. Drew Bob.
4: uh, I'm talking, going back, like, three years.
0: And, like... He had said a bunch of like, yeah. kind of left yeah. stuff, yeah. and yeah. Sam, your editor, had been like, "Fuck this political shit." But he left a couple lines yeah. in and it made that made Bob look, made Bob look yeah. like he was like yeah. espousing for right. Trump stuff, right. and then people were like, "What the fuck?" Right. And that was, a, and you didn't even mean for that to happen. That was a mistake. Right. Yeah. So my, I guess what I'm getting at here is like, so we went from that to the Tom McDonald thing, which was way more of a lightning rod, right. yet became nothing. He. A recovery story, normal dopey numbers, yeah. new, new friend on Instagram, and and yet I burned a lot of uh, anxiety, negative energy, like stewing about you putting him on the show.
1: Well, you know, it's like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think in a lot of ways, I'm apolitical. I'm apolitical, you know, and, and a lot of it is self-centeredness, dopey-centeredness. and, and But the real thing is, I don't believe fucking shit. You know what I mean? I don't believe what I hear from either side. Nobody seems to be keeping it at 100. To me, <laughs> right. like I feel like everybody's got an agenda. The love is... Like yesterday, in that panel, Like I love that lady. And she was talking about Trump in this really nasty way in that panel. And Trump supporters. And it's like, once you do that, you're removing the love. Because it's like these people are just people. You know, they happen to be buying into this fucking ridiculous shit that keeps us more separated. I I tend to just stay out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a Trump fan, and I'm not a Trump fan fan. I I find it... I find Trump to be one of the most... The word I use to deal with Trump is I find it really unfortunate. And because I think I don't understand... How he went the way he went. Ooh. He just had like I just I, I just had this belief that deep down, he didn't believe the shit he was saying. And like why did he want to do that? And like and now our country is so divided, and everyone is so fearful of each other and, 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 and they're so uh, disconnected. and all I want, is for people to be unified and be together. It's like fucking, I went to the Elvin Bishop and uh, Charlie Musselwhite concert last night and, and Elvin Bishop sang a song about it. Like, in the old days, you could disagree with somebody but you don't have to hate them. Right. And you could find a way to talk to them. It, it's just, it's such a sad state. It is.
0: Look, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm part of it. You know, I, I, I'm way less vocal and less uh, angry, but... I don't know. I have mixed emotions about it. I understand where you're coming from. And I respect it. Uh, quote, staying out of it, Yeah, it feels like spiritual bypass. It
1: I have no like, business I've in it. I've got my wife. I've got
0: my two kids. I have a home. They're going to school. So, like, fight amongst yourselves. Rasta
1: don't work for no CIA. I'm fucking <laughs> not fucking with that shit. I
0: respect it, man. I'm just saying, for me, I'm very invested in it, and I feel like if we just ignore it, then it's not going to come out.
1: I think that it's great. It, I think it is great I just don't believe Either side Right I don't feel Comfortable I'm no Democrat
0: bro I just I don't I'm just virulently against The right wing MAGA
1: thing I, I am too But I, I, I feel horrible About the other side too I feel like both sides Is fucking Murder And lies And Bullshit, and I'm tired of. Fu- I don't want to give them my fucking attention. I respect it, man. You know, like I'm just not into it. Like I'm into love. I'm into friendship. I'm into laughing. Like, and I know it's sad. It's because like I'm naive to say that shit. No, you're not. But like, what am I gonna do? Like, I, I don't. I don't like any of my options. Me either, man. I'm
0: not out here do- campaigning for some politician. I'm just saying I feel strongly about stuff, so much so that like you're my good friend. I love Dopey Podcast, and I needed a break from it because...
1: Everybody a needs a break from Dopey right. once in a while. Um, but, you know... Except did, me. Did,
0: was there ever any culture war stuff in the Dopey Nation? Did things ever, like... No. Pop- so that's remarkable, because very few spaces in our society are not uh, adversely affected by the culture war.
1: Actually, let me, let me take that back a second. Mm-hmm. In, in the height of the Trump presidency, I put up a few memes about Trump. And I put up a few things that I thought were funny. And here and there, I might have said, like, what a fucking idiot. Like, me and Chris would talk about it, you know. And, I, and I'd be like, I can't believe he's so comfortable being this intense villain. And I remember there was a guy who followed us on Instagram from the beginning. And he was a Trump guy. But he was a dopey guy. He was fucking dopey through and through. And he took such umbrage with even just the little... Because I barely got into it. Yeah. He took such umbrage with the little things. He was like, I can't fucking listen to you anymore. And I was like, well, you do what you got to do. Yeah. But, like, I don't want, like... I, I did the same thing. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. But but it's like, I, like, Todd, who died, wore a shirt that said, Rasta don't work for no CIA, which is from Rat Race. Yeah. And it's like... And Bob Marley would talk about politicians instead of you know that that political people can't be trusted. And I like that agenda and I like being apolitical. And um do you ever see people wearing the Rust that don't work for no CIA shirt? Maybe it doesn't ring a bell though. It's like I, it, I love the line. I mean, it, it was not. like my favorite t-shirt Todd ever wore. I was like trying to get it back out of You gotta after. try to find it then. It's gone. It's, yeah. I wanted to make dopey oh, shirts that to... said that. Well, um,
0: I'm sure this shirt's still out there. Or you can make it. You can make it yourself.
1: I'm not gonna make it. All right. uh, the point is, I don't want to. Con- I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to contribute right. to that until I have to. Until it's like the Nazis are coming after my people, and it's like now I have to fucking stand up, you know? Because I, it's just the other side isn't doesn't do it for me.
0: Yeah. Or there's, there's, or there's just being. There's just giving a fuck. It's basically where I'm at with it. You know. It's, I just care. I'm not like vote blue down the fucking line. I sure as shit. I'm not a Biden guy. Right. You know, uh, I'm just I saw it within my own family. I saw it in my community. I saw it with the QAnon stuff. Sure. I'm talking about in my life, not on the Internet, not on Reddit. I'm talking about in my life, people in my life. And, and so because of that I'm, I'm intensely invested
1: I had a huge fight with Linda's mother uh, who she's a little little trumpy not major trumpy a little trumpy and I had a huge fight with her during covid during black lives matter like i was like i got into the crazy fight with her but um and I love Bernie like Me i too. i loved Bernie You're i love electable I just don't know why Bernie can't take somebody under his wing who's electable and mentor him. Like, why is that not the story? Like, why can't, why can't, what's her face? Uh, Warren, what's her name? Elizabeth. Why can't Elizabeth Warren and Bernie mentor somebody who can who can do the next right thing? You know, I want to see that. I mean, I think
0: you said the answer before, politics. It's like they're mentoring someone else means it ain't going to be them.
1: Right, because their ego is in the fucking way, which is really disappointing, you right. know. So, like, I want to see somebody who cares about people. I want to see somebody more than anything. I want to see somebody unite our country or, or the world. Just, just I want to see love come yeah. back.
0: You and me both, brother.
4: From your list,
1: I to wish I years. I wish I had talked about that yesterday. I mean, w- I, because that was this thing was about what what, what would love do? Right. Love would unite people you know the, the, those
0: folks you know they had a plenty of expertise about mental health and trauma but they weren't ready for that conversation
1: and i would so i wasn't was either real but, yeah right you know they, right.
0: were, they were in wellness world's word salad land
1: they were also very like one thing is one thing right. is one thing you know you know well that they
0: they got somewhere with it obviously she, he's given speeches she's making films so respect to them and i think you hung tough with them and so, as I was saying, um, you know, we've all experienced in one way or another personal lives, professional lives, people with different beliefs, different ideology. I don't think it ever mattered. Like you said, it used to be a time where we could just have a conversation, or Charlie Musselwhite said it, or Elvin Bishop. Sure. Right. And I agree. And I remember spirited discussions even between my parents and grandparents of different ideas and stuff and yeah, go on other days. So yeah, we were just talking about that, and and, uh, I can appreciate you having Tom McDonald on, I can appreciate you having a, like, I don't want to get involved in this, I'm not on either side, and you can appreciate that I'm invested in it, we can disagree, we can have a conversation about it, or not even talk about it, and just talk about life, sports, drugs, addiction, dumb shit, right? We don't have to talk about the divide, and hopefully this is an example for anybody listening that people can agree to disagree, and even take a time out and be all good. And be cool. Right.
1: 100%. Right. So
0: thank you for, for bearing with me while I my, got through my feelings.
1: Well, I mean, but that's like what friendship is supposed to be, you know? And it's like, and I, and I also like, I really love friendship. And I love loyalty and I love being connected. I love being your friend. I like being connected to you. I like being connected to your show. You do things that I wish I could do. You know what I mean? So I have a vicarious thrill to, to be around your shit. So I'm happy. Well, the feelings are mutual.
0: Um, I've gotten great strength and, and understanding and compassion and knowledge and empathy and love from Dopey, from the stories that are told, from your guests, from you and
1: Chris. And you're a Dopey star. You know, I I tell people you're here, they're like, yo, say what's up to B. You know, people know you. And and I love fucking, I don't know if your audience knows this or not. Over the years, I did a number of tribute shows to Chris and I would have Dopey Nation people put in a little message here and there. And and B would often be in in the routine. And B, unlike everybody else, would lay out a music bed, usually like Capleton or some good reggae. And he would do this amazing intro. And it was like, just such a cool character and it was a character i wanted in the show so like it's it's like that gave the show more value it gave it depth it gave it texture and life and i, I love that
0: well i appreciate it and it was a fun thing to do and i'll still do it from time to time and uh yeah that i i love the way you opened up the the community you said like send in your thoughts and feelings specific to like Chris's passing anniversary. What Dopey means to you, and just to hear the people from all over the world, right? And all the different ages. And you got like the gambling guy David on the other side of the world with his yeah. crazy
1: accent, Mascalini. Yeah. Right. This is Dave Mascaloni. Right. So, yeah. and then you got you
0: know you got the Dopey Birds in in UK, and you got people all over. Dopey Birds
1: are coming to DopeyCon. I love Mick that. Popham's coming from fucking New Zealand. All
0: right. So this is going to come out after DopeyCon. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. let's talk
1: about it. what. Is DopeyCon to begin with?
0: And uh, what's your vision for 3.0? Oy
1: vey. It's like, DopeyCon was a dream that was right there in the beginning of the show. And me and Chris would talk about it. And I don't know why we didn't pull it off. It was probably because we were lazy, you know? Uh, and then after he died, show grew. And I, I just knew it would be a great thrill to set up some kind of live show slash fan convention so like in 2018 we did our first dopey and 100 dope showed up and we had a bunch of speakers and it was fun and it felt good and um and then covid happened so we didn't have a, a dopey and i was like let's do a fucking virtual dopey con two, too and i had a bunch of like kind of pseudo celebrities tell some stories i had a shitload of dopey nation people uh saying what's up, telling stories, and and I really enjoyed most of Dopecon too. There's one thing I wish I had done differently, but whatever. Um and then I had the chance to do the third one and and we kind of waited a while and then I was like I don't know, like the I I just I want to do it. I I want to see the Dopey Nation. I want the Dopey Nation to see each other. Like, so we're doing DopeyCon three, but I, I said we're not calling it DopeyCon three. We're calling it DopeyCon twenty twenty two because we don't want it to be like House Party five and shit. Right. You don't want it to be like once it's like you don't they don't number Comic Cons. Right. So we're DopeyCon twenty twenty two.
0: First house parties.
1: I'm not against house party. I just like like any movie: Jaws, Four, yeah. Superman, Four. It's no, It's never good, right. you know. Rocky Four was good. <coughs> nah. Rocky Five was better than Rocky Four. Get
0: the fuck out of here, Tommy Morrison.
1: It was better. It had some sort of a cathartic feeling. I mean, yeah, because of the kid. We're like, getting off. Track. But uh, so Toby Khan is in Rocky Four. People love the yeah, the, the training. Chicago. Yeah, yeah I, I must break yeah, you. Of um, whatever. DopeyCon, it's going to be uh, on October 1st. It was on October 1st. I'm a little bit worried, to be honest with you. The vision is I want it to be like as it's like live with Jimmy Kimmel and it's going to be me at a desk and a bunch of guests. <clears throat> so far, Brandon Novak's going to be on it. Andy Roy's going to be on it. Aaron Carr's going to be on it. Ray Brown is coming back to do some tunes. My dad's going to be on it. This lady who's a New York Times addiction writer. Her name is Maya Solovich. She wrote a book called Undoing Drugs, all about harm reduction. She's going to be speaking. We're going to have special guests. We're going to be playing a game show with 200 contestants because, uh, that's how we roll. And somebody's going to get to win a tour of my dad's apartment. There's going to be music. There's a comedian named Chloe LeBranch who's coming. Uh, there's a bunch of like weirdo recovery meme people that are coming and they're going to do meme shit. And, um, And Katz is going to cater it. And I'm just excited. I'm just excited to see the people. To like, you know, fucking meet people. Watch them meet each other and have fun. You know, like an event like this. To see all these people be in these labs. DopeyCon is going to be way better. Because the people who come to DopeyCon are into fucking dopey. They live it. Half of them have tattoos and shit. I know. (coughs) So, I'm like... I'm nervous about DopeyCon, but I know that, like, forget how good a show it is, blah, blah, blah. The love is going to be off the fucking hook. Like, these people listen to hundreds of hours of Dopey. I know. And they also are in Zooms with each other every week. Yeah. Yeah. It's so,
0: so beautiful that that has continued even yeah. as we're out of lockdown. There's 26 the dopey
1: nation zooms a week. Think about that. That's, That's crazy
0: meeting, and, and it's not your. I don't go. Book thumping. No. They're all like tweaked. There's ladies. There's this. There's like all these different like flavors of it. Yeah. Unique to your situation. I. I, the, I the, That's kind of between the tattoos and the 26 dopey meetings, you gotta feel a sense of uh, pride.
1: I think we also sent 33 people to free treatment. I with, mean, that's even... That's another level. The other thing about DopeyCon, though, is that because so many people uh, would tell me how many people I was helping with Dopey, I I didn't like that feeling. And I was like, I don't want Dopey to exist to help people. I want Dopey to be, exist as a good show. So we started a foundation. We set up a 501c3 called the Dopey Foundation. And that place... Their job is to help people. Right. <coughs> My dad is the chairman of the board of the Dopey Foundation. And right now we are raising money for Narcan, for fentanyl testing, and, and, and for also for rehab scholarships. Then the next thing that we're going to do is set up peer-to-peer support where people are, who are scared to go to meetings or don't want to deal with having a god of their own understanding or not, but they can talk to another addict. Also, we're going to set up like peer-to-peer bereavement people because there are so many people in the dopey nation that have lost their their partner or their kid and they're alone and they get so much joy from being in this community that the next level of joy is some like there's this woman named tenley and she lives in seattle and her her partner died of an overdose and all she wants to do is be of service to somebody else and i know that when we set up this peer-to-peer thing she's going to get to be of service and help somebody and feel better. And, like, so DopeyCon 2022 is a fundraiser for the Dopey Foundation. It's all going into that. That's Amazing. really the whole point of it. I mean, there's two points. One, to make me feel good. Two, to make them feel good. And three, to see what we can do with this foundation.
0: That's three points.
1: Thank you. Yeah. The fact is that people have been affected, and, and the fact is that we can do something which is better than not doing anything. right, right.
0: And you've been doing something you continue to do something you did stuff while you were here you've done it with me you know i don't want anybody listening to think they could just call dave but i'll let it be known that dave helped one of my dearest old friends who was in de- in despair and in trouble and, and you you know in one way or another made sure he got where he needed to go and i'm happy to report he's still uh, in recovery and i'm very proud of him i'm going to see him next week when i'm back on the east coast and i just wanted to say that that doing that that wasn't for me i called you i was at my wits end i said i need help my boy needs help and you know you got a wife two kids two jobs two jobs and a million listeners who could probably benefit from dave pulling a string or two yet you heard something in my voice and then you knew that what my friend was going through because you went through it and you handled it and i'm just grateful for that
1: well the deal is because people have always helped me, it, I have to help people. And I hope that the people I help help people. And then that's the way this thing works. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't do it. And to be totally clear, I didn't do it for you. Uh, and I didn't do it for him. I did it for me. Because when I can be of service, my life is better. And, and everybody benefits. And, and, like, I tell people, be of service selfishly. Be of service so you can feel good because everybody benefits, you know? Yeah. And, and and if I didn't do it, if I was like, I'm too busy, I would have suffered, you know? He would have suffered, you would have suffered, and I would have suffered as opposed to make a couple calls, big deal. Right. And, and, and in the end, you, you fell over me and I'm like, I'm a good guy and whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. It's like, be of service because it's going to help you. Yeah. You know, And I think that's a really important thing. Everyone's so worried about being spiritually correct and upright. Don't worry about that. Worry about how you can feel good. And you can feel good being of maximum service. Just to feel good. Yeah. And I mean, you're living proof, man. Take it from me, because i be living proof. I kick the truth to the young black youth. Yes. You're going to cut that. You're going to cut that out. I'm not going to
0: cut it. It's the truth.
3: Leave it up to me while I be living proof. To the young black youth, we saw these running wild, smoking sets, drinking beer, and ain't trying to hear
1: what I'm kicking in this ear. Wu Tang. It's forever. Yes. Wu Tang for the children.
0: Well, Dave, this has been an absolute joy. You're a, you're a mensch. And uh, I'm proud to know you, proud to call you a friend. I'm stoked for the uh, Dopey Podcast, Dopey Nation. All the links will be in the show notes, but. Uh, you got to check out the merch. Dave brought me a sticker pack, a pair of socks. You know, there's tons of merch out there. Yes. You know, and that's all good for a good cause. So how do we let's do the dopey sign off on the Up For Life podcast? What do you think?
1: Sure. We say, uh, we say stay strong, dopey nation, and, and I say fucking toodles for Chris.
0: And I'll say stay strong, dopey nation, but me not nah say toodles. Never. my man David Mannheim from Dopey Podcast. Some know him as Dopey Dave, but we don't do that around here. So, uh yeah, that was amazing and fulfilling and rewarding and it happened a couple months ago. So, it was just a joy to revisit that night. It was at the end of what was 5 nights, 4 days at Park City Song Summit. Incredible, really awesome progressive forward-thinking convergence of, of folk music and wellness and mental health and recovery just tremendous. And I hope that I'm fortunate enough to go back next year, even without the palace, which was overkill for the record, um, just how it played out. But certainly uh, something to laugh at. We had a lot to laugh at. We had a lot to reflect on. We had a lot to even tear up and cry about and that's what makes Dave and Dopey and even this podcast so special um, to us who make it and to those who listen is just the emotional color wheel is visited in all its glorious and gloomy and wretched and beautiful shades and even just thinking about the terrain that we cover with dave addiction and loss and reflection guilt you know we're not on the same page on a lot of things but we're of the same cloth and same tribe and i have a tremendous amount of affinity and love and respect and admiration for dave and you just heard for an hour and 40 minutes just why so Thank you for blessing up the Up Full Life podcast, Dave. Big love to Linda and the kiddos. Um, shout out the Dopey Nation. You know, I'm not as much of a fixture on social in that world as I once was, but I still binge on the pods when I'm trimming weed, and and even when I'm not, in the car with my now wife and, and on walks around the neighborhood. I'm still a dedicated Dopey listener, and it's still a big part of my quote program in the alt recovery movement i want to shout out everyone out there in the struggle at whatever point you're in the struggle whether you're in the thick of the throes of addiction i hope you know that it can and will get better um and if you made it i'm so happy for you for us and continue helping others in whatever capacity you can because it's that's medicine the, the gift of service and the feelings and the experiences and the relationships that are born of those uh, relationships connections and that service is is medicine in itself and um, you can hit me up anytime in that regard b.gets at upfullife.com doesn't just have to be about the pod just something on this pod or something in my sphere uh, is of interest or note to you hit me up let's chat that's what this is about tomorrow's not promised we're losing good folks not just to the affliction but across the board so i'm all for connection relationships and and helping people so with that let's wrap things up for episode 63 uh before i do that i want to let y'all know you might have heard a snippet of chris talking that was not from dopey that's from this program he did called A Deadly Silence, which is a chilling title for this interview. A Deadly Science 113, Christopher O'Connor, hosted by Larry Curtis. Really, really deep conversation with Chris about his journey through addiction. And it's in the, it's like uh, recovery speak and also clinical, so it's, it's it's heady, heady stuff. And it just goes to show you how brilliant chris was and how articulate and how personable and he has this sort of like aw shucksness to him in this interview and in general but certainly talking to this grizzled old recovery vet um so i recommend you checking that out shout out dopey if you want to uh support the Upful life podcast i'd be honored and grateful uh, there's links in the show notes for Venmo and PayPal on this episode. Um, and then, of course, you can just go to upfullife.com. There's a big support button on the top there underneath the logo. And please check out upfullife.com, Upfullife's sixth annual favorite records of the year compendium My Heart, My Joy, My Labor of Love, My Gift to the Culture. So for the Vibe Junkie Jam of the week, we're going Shannon Hoon, Blind Melon, who you've been hearing for the past few minutes, the original heartbreaking, gut-wrenching loss to the affliction in October 21, 1995, just a couple short months after Garcia passed at 53, which many people saw coming for many years, uh, Shannon stolen from us blind melon one of my all-time favorite bands shannon whom was my hero i saw a lot of myself in him back then as a kid and even today um, his words his voice his songs have touched my life uh since i since 1993 when i got the first album when i saw the no rain video um, and they only have th- three albums with shannon and all three of them are incredible but I have one favorite song and it's called Mouthful of Cavities uh, with uh, special guest Jenna Kraus on auxiliary vocals it was recorded in New Orleans at Kingsway Studios um, and it is the quintessential Shannon Hoon Blind Melon song for this guy right here And truly one of my favorite songs not just the Blind Melon but any artist ever if there was a, a mixtape cassette to my life It would be on it. So that's the Vibe Junkie Jam for episode 63, bringing 2022 into port. So grateful for everybody who tunes into the show, who shows me love, who shares the program, who reads my work, or just loves on me from afar. Thank you to my wife, Alicia, to all my incredible friends, to my amazing mom who listens to the show. Love you, Irmzy. And yeah, with that, we'll say goodbye, job bless, and we'll see you next year. Yes, indeedy.
3: Listen, man, I got the window up. here, the cats. Listen. mouth full of cavities And your soul's a bowl of jokes And every day you remind me How I'm desperately in need See I got a lot of fiends around And they're peeking through Nothing new And they see you See everything you do. seen him smile in a little while, haven't seen him smile in a little while.